What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to tell your friends and family about these videos, about these services, and you share these links with them, thank you so much. We hope it's very helpful. And also for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us minister to people and help people and love people. This past week, we had our last food pantry. We fed so many people. So many donations came in. That was all made possible because of your online generosity. Thank you so very much for that. Today, we start a brand new series entitled The Next Chapter. And we have to understand something, that as Christians, you and I are trying to follow Jesus. That's just who we are. That's not very deep of a thought. It's something that's just like a no-brainer. This is very elementary for our faith, that as people who say that they're little Christians, a little Christ, something that we're trying to do is we're literally trying to follow Jesus with our words, our actions, our reactions, our thoughts, and our attitudes. And so something that we want to do is we want to hear his voice in our hearts, and we want to do his will. We want to find his will and do his will for our relationships, in our life with temptations, for our decisions, for our future, for our circumstances, and for our life. And I think most of us, if we're honest, we would all have to admit that many times we struggle with this. We struggle with finding and hearing and doing the will of God for our life. And when I say the will of God, this is what I mean. This is what we're talking about. I need to know what really does God want me to do? When we talk about the will of God, we're talking about wisdom. The Bible talks about wisdom as being the will of God. And when you talk about the will of God, you're talking about the wisdom to know what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do about this temptation? I need wisdom. What does God want me to do about this storm? I need wisdom. That's the will of God. What does God want me to do about this decision that I need to make, about this relationship tension or conflict? I need wisdom. I need to know what does God want me to do in this circumstance in my life? I need wisdom. I need to know the will of God. And so for most of us, that's why we come to church and that's why we meditate and that's why we worship and that's why we follow Jesus and that's why we pray so we can figure this out. What's the will of God? What's wisdom say that I should do about this situation? What does God want me to do? And so we read stories about Jesus from a long time ago, over 2,000 years ago. Stories written by people who knew Jesus and followed Jesus, other people who did extreme research. We have the gospels like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these stories are stories of very real experiences that real people had with the real Jesus. These stories are real stories of real experiences that real people had with the very real Jesus, like tax collectors, prostitutes, the hungry, the religious, the sick, the diseased, the powerful, the weak, the popular, and the forgotten. And these stories are stories of healing and love and hope and forgiveness, life change, salvation, and purpose. But the question I want us to ask today is this, and notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. What if that was you in that story with Jesus? As you look into the stories of Jesus in the red letters in the New Testament in the Gospels, and as we read these stories and we dive into these stories about the experiences that the real Jesus had with real people over 2,000 years ago, what if you saw yourself in that story with Jesus? What if that was you? What if that was me in that story? What if he was literally talking to you in that moment and teaching you and feeding you and 
helping you? What if you saw yourself interacting with Jesus in that story? What if you became the tax collector for the moment? What if you became the sick and the crippled? What if you became the prostitute? What if you became the religious person for the moment in that story? What would Jesus say to you? Or better yet, what if he walked into your life And what if he walked into the chapter, the current chapter of your story and your circumstances right now? What if the real Jesus walked into your current story right now? What would he say to you in your life right now? What would he say to you about your questions, about your sadness, about your anxiety? What would he say to you about your decisions, about your choices, about your pathway in life? What would he say to you about your family, about your fears, about your secrets. What does God want me to do? Because at the end of the day, that's the life that we really, if we're honest, we all want to live. Deep down, if we're all honest, we really do want to do what God wants us to do. We all want to live a life of, and notice this, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you, a life of peace, hope, and purpose. A life of peace that our inner fears and anxieties stop dominating us. A life of hope that our inner temptation to give up stops controlling us. And a life of purpose that our inner low self-esteem stops dominating our life. But what's holding you back from living that life today? What's holding you back from living the life that you really want to live? Man, I have to admit, I hate moving, and I've moved a lot in my life. I remember one time I was moving out of an apartment that was on the third floor, so three stories high. We had to move everything down three flights of stairs, heavy stuff, furniture, beds, appliances. And so we'd carry a couch down three flights of stairs. We'd walk back up. We'd carry a bed down three flights of stairs. We'd walk back up. We'd carry an entertainment center down, a dresser down, an armoire down. Then we'd walk back up and we'd do it all over again. And I can remember thinking when I was moving stuff out of that three-bedroom apartment on, on on the third floor, I can remember thinking, I don't want to walk back up those stairs ever again, ever again. But I'll never have to do this again once I get it done today in this moment. I don't feel like doing this anymore, but I have to finish this if I want to move into this brand new house, which leads me to a thought, and this is what it is. Many times we fail in life because we give up before the real struggle that makes us strong even begins. And so we started off with the couch and then the coffee table and then the little bed. And after moving those down three flights of stairs, we thought, I thought, man, I want to stop. I want to quit. I want to give up. But the real struggle hadn't even started yet. We still had to move the big bed and we still had to move a 200 pound armoire and a 200 pound entertainment center. And in our life, you and I can give up so easily, can't we? We can give up so easily. And we lose hope before the real struggle even begins. We give up at the first sign of difficulty, at the first sign of disappointment, at the first sign of pain, and in every area of our life too, in our finances, in our family, in our relationships, in our health, in our faith, in our walk with God, in our battles. And that's not even the real struggle yet. The first sign of a small difficulty, we throw in the towel and the real struggle hadn't even started yet. After we moved all that heavy stuff out of the apartment, down those stairs, we still had some smaller stuff to move, but I was ready for all that. I was ready for the small stuff because I had just finished with all the heavy stuff, the real struggle. Sometimes the pain that you and I go through in life just needs to be embraced because once you face it and go through it, 
It's just going to make you stronger. You have these little battles, these little struggles in your life right now. Keep going because chances are the real battle hasn't even started yet. But once you make it past the real battle, the next time you face a smaller battle, you can easily get past those if you can make it past the real battle. Something else I learned moving out of that apartment was this. You don't realize how much junk you have until you start moving and you have to realize that you have to throw some stuff away. I remember right before I moved out, I lost one of my favorite t-shirts and I couldn't find that t-shirt anywhere. And I looked everywhere for it. And I remember thinking, I bet when we start moving all the junk out of here and start throwing stuff away, I bet I find it in a place I never thought it would be. And that's exactly what happened. We started moving after we moved all the big stuff out and we started throwing all the small stuff away and stuff that we could just throw away. I found my favorite t-shirt underneath an old pile of clothes at the top of the closet underneath clothes that I didn't wear anymore. Something else, an observation is this. When you follow Jesus, you can be a lot stronger than you think. You have more resolve in you than you think, but you have to look for it. You have more strength and love and hope in you than you think, but you have to search for it. You you have to look for it. It's in you. It's there, but sometimes you got to get all the other junk out of the way. You got to throw all the other junk out of the way so you can see it. You have strength, but sometimes you have to get the excuses out of the way. You have strength, but sometimes you have to get the past and the laziness and the discouragement out of the way so you can find it and see it and live it. This is what God wants us to do. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is coming down off the mountain and he's being followed by large crowds of people and they're amazed by his teachings. And as he comes down the mountainside, he's met by a man who's sick and diseased with leprosy. Now, back then, leprosy was a lifelong disease, and it was a series of painful, painful skin deformities. You could see this on people, and because of that, they had to be isolated from the rest of their world and from the rest of their communities and societies. And so they were in pain and all alone and isolated, and everyone considered them unclean. They were in pain and all alone and isolated. Have you ever felt that way? Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So notice that this man didn't have the luxury of just waiting on things to get better. And he didn't have the option of not turning to Jesus either. He was desperate and isolated and in pain and in humility, he bows down before Jesus, which was the ultimate act of respect and reverence back then. And he basically says, Jesus, you have the right to heal me or not. He's alone. He's in pain. He's isolated. He's judged. And in humility, he has no other options. He bows down before Jesus and says, Jesus, if you will, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, notice where it says Jesus touched him. Back then, it was Jewish in religious law to never touch or come in physical contact with a leper. In fact, before a leper could even enter a town or a community or a house, they had to start shouting, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, to let everyone else know to get on the other side of the road or to let everyone else know to get out of the house and so people could get away. But Jesus touched him 
anyway. Listen, Jesus doesn't care what other people think about you or what other people say about you or other people's judgments of you or other people's opinions of you. People are going to say that your pain is your fault. People are going to say that your past is too bad and your sin is too bad and you deserve your pain and you've made a mess of your life and on and on. And guess what? Jesus doesn't have to listen to any of that. Jesus doesn't need anyone else's approval. He doesn't need their approval and he doesn't need religion's approval to love on you and to forgive you and to heal you and to help you and to set you free and to use you in this world. He doesn't have to listen to any of that noise to love on you. Jesus always puts people above religion. He always put people above religion. And guess what? It's okay for us to do that too. Amen. Because that's what we're going to do. It's okay to love people that other churches don't want to love. It's okay to welcome people that other churches don't want to welcome. It's okay to accept people and serve people and feed people that the other churches don't want. Verse four, then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, why in the world would Jesus perform a miracle? I mean, this is going to change someone's life. Let everyone know, bring glory to God. And then Jesus say, don't tell anybody what I just did for you knowing good and well that he was going to tell everybody and the news is going to spread. In fact, that's why it's recorded in Matthew that we're reading because the news spread because the story got told. But I think Jesus told him not to tell anyone for a few specific reasons. The first reason is this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Because compassion is God's first motivation. Jesus healed this man because Jesus loved this man. And I think it's important for you and I to understand that. Jesus healed this man first and foremost, not to make a spectacle out of the glory of God, but Jesus healed this man because he loved this man. Yes, our life needs to point people to God. Yes, it does. But God's first His first concern in changing my life and your life is simply because he loves you, not because he can get some good advertisement out of you. That's not why. He changes us and he heals us because he loves us. The second reason is this, to let us know that it's okay to not be the center of attention. And so he told them not to tell anyone, to let everyone know that God's first motivation is love. Second reason is to let us know that we do not have to be the center of attention. Listen, it's okay if no one else but God sees the good that you do. Don't follow Jesus. Don't serve God. Don't love people. Don't serve people. Don't worship to draw attention to yourself and to prove something to other people. Just do it because you love God. Don't open up your life to Jesus because you're trying to get people off your back, because you're trying to impress your parents or your spouse or your family. Don't open up to Jesus so you can try to stop the consequences of your choices. Don't open up to Jesus so you can draw attention to your life because you feel like you're not getting enough. Just do it because you're grateful for what God has done for you and because God loves you. The third reason I think Jesus told this man not to tell anyone is this. It's okay to swallow your pride. Jesus told this man to go and present himself to the priest so he could examine him. Now listen, if Jesus healed me, Probably, I'm just going to do this. Thanks, Jesus. I'm going to go on about my life. But Jesus said, don't do that. I want you to go to the priest and let them inspect your body. Let them examine you. That took humility. It took humility for a set free, newly healed man 
to go to a priest who judged him and cast him out of society and say, inspect me and examine me. But if God's really changed our heart, it's okay to swallow your pride, which means it's okay to apologize if you have to. It's okay to say sorry. It's okay to say I was wrong. It's okay to make things right with people. It's okay to humble yourself. Jesus did on the cross. But I think if you and I placed ourselves in this story, I think if you and I became the leper as we enter into the next chapter of our life, if Jesus walked into our life right now and he spoke to our life right now, I think the will of God would look something like this and I think the will of God would say something sort of like this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. This is what it is. It's okay to fall apart, but it's not okay to give up. The leper was desperate and then he got honest. Jesus, I need you to heal me. And in our life, the same thing can happen. And notice this, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Remember this, desperation leads to honesty. Desperate people will get humble and they will get honest. Desperate people fall apart and it's okay to fall apart. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to admit that you're sad. It's okay to admit that you're weak. It's okay to admit that you can't do this and you can't handle this. It's okay to admit that you have anxiety. It's okay to admit that you're hurting. It's okay to admit that you're falling apart. It's okay. That just means that you're desperate and desperation leads to honesty. Jesus, I need you to heal me. But what's not okay is this. What's not okay is that as you're falling apart, to give up. You can fall apart, but while you fall apart, just don't lay down. That's not okay. And so again, this is the life that we all want to live, a life of peace, hope, and purpose, a life of peace that my inner fears and anxieties stop controlling me, a life of hope that my inner temptation to give up stops controlling me, a life of purpose that my inner low self-esteem stops controlling me. But, and remember this today, notice this, you will never discover the life that you want to live if you keep waiting for your feelings to catch up with what you know you need to do right now. I never felt like moving out of that three-story apartment, but I knew I had to. And spiritually, in your life right now, there's some things that you need to do, and there's some things that you need to overcome. You need to overcome some of your fears, some of your excuses, some of your emotions, some of your habits, some of your choices, some of your sadness, some of your memories, some of your stress, some of your worries. You feel like falling apart, and that's okay, but just don't give up, because if you do, You'll never discover the life that deep down you really want to live. Keep your head up this week, troops. I love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we cannot wait to see you back next week.